Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 100 Things Podcast with me, Todd Duncan. And me, Sebastian Terry. The 100 Things Podcast. Oh, what's on your list Now today, we're going to be looking at number 82 on Seb's list, which was Hitchhike Across America. Mm-hmm. Now, now... Uh, Many horror movies have been made around this kind of subject of hitchhiking and specifically in America. And uh, So why did this make it onto your list and uh, was any of that going through your head? Well, I think uh, we're told from a very young age not to talk to strangers and I get it. There's a lot of sensibility in that, of course. But I always thought it was like a very adventurous, you know. Um, you'd read books or hear stories of how people used to hitchhike around and, you know, the idea that you were basically at the whim of a kind stranger – yeah. that you didn't know, and by the end of a car ride, you'd hopefully know them and you wouldn't be dead. And I thought, I'm going to try that. Okay, okay. So, well, let, let's see see if that was the case. But uh, you find yourself in Palm Beach. So you're going from the East Coast to the West Coast. So it's Palm Beach on the East Coast to San Diego on the West Coast of America. Yeah. How do you find yourself in Palm Beach in the first place? Right, so Palm Beach, Florida. So we're just kind of north of Miami. I was there with uh, with Paulie, who's a very good friend of mine, who's been actually a really important character in the whole 100 Things journey. Okay. Uh, he is a professional sailor. He, uh, we actually had to take a boat from New York down to Miami, so he would race it. So, okay. so we, dro- okay. we, we, we hauled a boat. Oh, so you went in the boat sailing down? No, 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 <laughs> okay. no. no. We okay. on the, so we went through like I don't know, Jacksonville and all these places. It was great. Yeah. And we ended up staying at the Tyson's, uh, I think it was Tyson or Pete, I can't, I can't remember, it was one of them, at his place, yeah, Florida, West Palm Beach, uh, next to Bernie Madoff's house, actually, like that area, so very wow. ritzy. Yeah, um, yeah. And so that's how we ended up there. So I was there because Paulie and I had towed a boat down there. Wow. Did you meet Bernie Madoff or was it? No, very interesting story, which I, I can't talk about really, but we walked past his house at the time when everything was going down. Right. So, you know, all the fraud and everything that he did, yeah. it was horrible. His house had police tape around it. Um, it was right kind of when it all, you know, came undone for him. Uh, and uh, I'll just leave it there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so so more context to this. It, have you gone for this ride delivering this boat with this with the exact purpose of like, this is going to be my starting point? Are you on a time frame? Is it like, this is the plan? Or do you find yourself there and go, okay, I'll do it? Well, yeah, no, it was it was a, it was a bit of a, a few things sort of aligned at the right time. I, you know, a road trip. I'd never done a road trip from New York to Miami, and I yeah. thought, how great! So I did that. It, I got to hang out with Paul Lee some more, uh, meet some of his sailing buddies who were all awesome. Uh, but I needed to. I'd actually just got offered a job in a bar in Switzerland yeah. to learn French through my buddy Jack okay. slash Superman. Okay. Oh, we've 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 heard of him before. Yeah. And, uh, so this is the bar with Jizzo. Jizzo? <laughs> Wizzo. Wizzo. Wizzo and Jiggles. And Jiggles. Oh, that was, sorry. Sorry for any kids listening. Yeah, That, that was nearly turned Jeez. into a, well, you've just been surrounded, surrounded by semen. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, so you're right. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that character, Wizzo and Jiggles. Okay. So that was the bar. Right. So basically because of Tal, another friend of mine, and he was the one who able, he, he worked on for United. He, he was able to get me on as standby. Um, he basically said, look, if you make it over to LA within a couple of days, yeah. or I think it was a week, I can get you on a standby flight to Switzerland from LA. So being on this side of the country, wow. I thought, right, I've got to make my way over there. And and why not hitchhike? It'd be great. And okay. it's free. So uh, And it was on my list. I wanted to hitchhike across yeah. America. I always had. So I thought, what a perfect opportunity. I've got about 10 days until the flight, something like that. So, so without uh, making it too much 
about what you speak about on stage because <laughs> you speak on stages. Yeah. Um, you talk, but you do talk about this a lot, and it's something we discuss quite a lot as well. Is that opportunity often equaling more opportunity if you just if you just kind of start taking those steps? So again, it seems like. Whereas the majority of the stories we've covered so far, the epicenter has been Switzerland. Mm. So this is pre that, but you found an opportunity through just talking to people and putting yourself out there and taking a bit of action that, ah, yeah, here's two, two list items again that could get ticked in pretty quick succession. For sure. Yeah, the synchronicity of it all. And I think without going into too much of the behind the scenes, you know, I, th- I think the idea is if you understand what your goals are and what opportunities you need to either create them or what you're looking for to be able to respond, you know, these things do magically, not magically, yeah. but in a really beautiful way match up. So I had this ticket to go to Switzerland to learn French. I just needed to make it there. I looked at my list and I went, oh, I can hitchhike there. So it's two birds, one stone. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, I mean- just while we're on the subject, he, he <laughs> Seb does talk on stages, and he's also got a book. If uh, <laughs> yeah, um, look at that. It doesn't even anyway. No, uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so day one. Let's let's get down to something you've actually written about. So day one. Mm. Here we go. Day one of hitchhiking, four hundred eighteen miles, four hitches, and no sexual favors. <laughs> day one was very surprising so so just to clarify you were expecting and willing to give sexual favors on this trip were you? i'm not sure where you got that from the answer is of course yes no <laughs> i no i uh it was it was really interesting so i remember going because once you make a decision to do if you get i mean i really enjoy this um there's something you want to do and you get to that point where you can't think of any reason why not and you just say i'm gonna do it yeah so i was like why well, i, sh- I want to hitchhike across america now's the chance i'm gonna do it so i said to paulie I'm going to hitchhike back to LA. He laughed uh, and, I, and he said, how can I help? Because he's, he's one person who always offers to help no matter okay. what. And uh, I said, I guess you could just drop me off at the service station around the corner and I'll go from there. So he did. So, so perfect. So you are at that petrol slash gas, gas station. A gas station, yeah. Uh, ready to start the journey. What's your strategy? Uh, is, it, is it stereotypical as I imagine it in my head, cardboard sign, please pick me up? Or do you have a different strategy in mind? Well, I, I'd not done it before. You see hitchhikers, and I think that, you know, the, the, the quintessential image is someone standing there with their thumb out. And I thought, well, I'll try that. So I, I was kind of near the service station, just on the sort of the grassy verge of it. Yeah. And I stood there for, and, and Paulie was like, I'm going to stay here until you get your first ride in case you don't get anything type thing. And it was kind of like, yeah, I, I remember just going, okay, well, I'll just stand here like this. So I did. And nobody stopped. Nobody stopped. Yeah. And I thought, this is tricky. What do I do here? And I, I, you know, I think you have to try and use your strengths or whatever you think your strengths are. I thought, all right, maybe I could talk to people. So I walked into the service station and went over to the first person and I said, hey, um, I'm from Australia. Mm. You act dumb, put on the, I was like, I'm from Australia. I'm trying to hitchhike across your huge country. Yeah. Um, you know, how many hours will that take? Ha <laughs> And uh, it wasn't funny. And that person said, you know, get away from me, you creep type thing. Yeah. But I kept trying that. And then, yeah, that was a strategy as, you know, over the period of the, six days or whatever I tried a lot of things but at, at yeah. day one I tried that didn't work went in started speaking to people and eventually that did work yeah so so you actually end up hitting the jackpot with the first ride I, I did Sarah what do you remember about Sarah Sarah blonde gorgeous wore um like uh almost like stockings and a, a really short skirt and I I you know she, she was an attractive girl and I, I, would, I was speaking to everyone at that point in the mm. service station. People were kind of laughing and joking. There's an Australian, yeah. he's going to ask you for a ride. And I went over to Sarah. She was very intimidated. And just because well, I was a stranger, yeah. <laughs> not in that way. <laughs> and I said, uh, hey, uh, same thing. I'm, you know, I'm trying to get across your wonderful country. Yeah. 
um, are you, are you, I've got to get, because I was, I think the, the, I can't remember the name of the road, but I had to get north of the Florida Turnpike. Right. So I could then go, I could head west on the 10, I yes. think. Yes, yeah. And she said, well, I'm going to a wedding. And she was kind of like, she, she, you know, she had that moment where she thought, well, should I, should I not? And she's like, yeah. oh, why not? So I got in with Sarah. And we headed north up towards the Florida Turnpike. You headed north, yeah. And, and as you say, you used your Australian charm. So you, so you write that your clinching line was, I'm Australian and we're all nice. <laughs> it's You're true. Welcome. It's true. It's true. Um, and she's, that's right. Because she, she said something like, how do I know you're not a murderer? And I felt like saying, how do I know you're not a murderer? Yeah. Um, and then, so that was a stalemate. And I, I just said, look, we're all nice. Uh, and she believed it. Well done. Well I, done. Well, I believe it. So that's an important question, actually. Do, do you think uh, the drivers are more scared of you being the stranger or you're more scared of getting in the car with them? Well, I'm not sure. All I can, all I know is that I was always kind of weary of, no, not weary, excited, but also, you know, you can't completely let your guard down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. I think she was, she was quite small as well. Okay. So, I mean, if I had have been a, you know, some psychopath, I, I, yeah. I suppose it could get very wrong for her. Um, I'm oh, not though. <laughs> Sounded like a threat. <laughs> Sarah, if you're watching, thank you for the ride. Um, no, but I got in and it was great. And we chatted and she was off to a wedding. Yeah. And then I- Go on. Do you remember any of the other stuff she had done? Because she, she had rattled off a few, a few things. Go on. You. Remind me. So she was once a maple farmer. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Okay. Mm. At the age of 16, she woke up one morning with a four-leaf clover tattooed to her rear. Oh, I don't, I don't remember that. Mm. I was there, but uh, it's a while ago. She once delivered a baby horse. I do remember her telling me that. Yeah. Yeah. Interest you at all? You've delivered a human baby. Well, I hadn't fancy. at that point. I th I'm right. sure we spoke about because number 23 was to deliver a child. Yeah. So similar. That. We got on. I mean, geez, this is a match made in heaven. Yeah. And she learned to surf in Costa Rica. Oh, so perfect. Perfect. Okay. So, so Sarah takes you, uh, takes you north to, to meet up with the 10, which is then going to take you west. Yes. Drops you there, makes her way to a wedding and, and potentially delivering other mammals along the way. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Go, go on. Well, I was going to say, and I was by myself. I felt like I'd burnt the boat at that point. Paulie had gone. Oh, okay. I said goodbye to Paulie. I was on the way. And again, not to make this into some sort of, you know, um, big story, but you know, the, it's true. You take that journey, you take the first few yeah. steps and then you're there and you're by yourself and you're like, oh my God, I've started. I may as well continue. And that's what it was. Stood on the side of a freeway the Florida, at the Florida Turnpike going, how do I get into the next car? Yeah. So, so 10 points, if you can remember who picked you up next. Um, there was a couple of characters. I, I seem to remember in total, I might have had like thirteen rides. Yeah, roughly the that. Country, yeah. Something like that. Um, it wasn't. It was Deputy Dink. No. Ah. So, so so this one's Skip. Oh oh okay. I remember Skip. He was a heavily set gent. Yeah. I can't remember his story. Okay, so he was a Vietnam War vet. Um, oh. And he was telling you a few stories about that. But bicycles. Yes. Yes. So so he had a ponytail, yep. which you describe as. Uh, flowing through the air of his wind down, wound down window, uh, uh, and he was going to shave it off for charity yep. that was linked to to the to the bikes and things of this nature. Yeah, um, but also he was on his way to to pick up his eighty year eighty eight year old mum in Georgia. So he was he was you know kind of on the as all these people are mm. on their own kind of separate journeys, and you weave into it. Yeah, and uh, there's something called Sonda. Sonda. Yeah. Okay. Which is the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. I love that. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, read, reading this story and how you interweave into these people, you know, he's, he's off to, to pick up and help out his 88 year old mum who needs yeah. some help. And, and he suddenly decides, yeah, why not? I'll give this charming. Yeah. 
dumb Australian, Thank eh? You. Thank you. <laughs> he was acting dumb. He was acting dumb. Um, Australian, <laughs> a little way across the country. I just thought I'd let no, you know that. I love the term Sonder. I'd, I'd n- not heard mm. of that. Um, yeah, and you're right. I mean, he said he had a charity. It was about rebuilding bikes for, I don't know if it was disadvantaged kids or kids in Africa, potentially, something like that. Really good bloke. And like you say, like, you know, we, you're just two people who just happen to intercept at a moment. For us, it was come into my car and let's chat. And I back to your point of, you know, who's more weary of the other or who's worried. I remember I sort of, it was day one, so I was really enjoying it. But also I'd sit in there and it's, you don't know these people and it ends up becoming this, you know, like a mini confessional. Yeah. Um, and oh, obviously those stories are kind of, they're, they're endless. But yeah, I, you know, I didn't want to sleep at all, even though I was quite tired mm. after a while. I think Sarah had given me a ride for two or three or four hours up the road and suddenly I'm with this guy till Georgia. Did he drop me in Georgia? No, so, so he's, he's the one that drops you in the middle of the highway. So Sarah drops you off at another gas oh, station or yeah. a service station. And Skip is the first one to leave you in the middle of the highway. So there, so there is a little bit of footage from you that you managed to film when you go yeah. and stuff. And it's the first one with trucks whistling past and yeah. cars whistling past. And it, you're kind of yeah. there in the middle of it all. Yeah. And uh, and it's not, but luckily it's not long until, I don't know quite how to pronounce his name. J- Jasser? J- oh. Joss, Josser? This is the guy in the combi, the V-dub. Like bus, like a hippie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his dog. He had a dog with him. Oh no, it's not this gentleman. Oh no, no, no. So this is Jesse. He was on his way to a music festival. Oh yeah, it was a rainbow festival. Yeah. So, so the rainbow people. The rainbow people. And I really told me something, but it was it was kind of like very. Um, well, I, I I can't remember the specifics, but there's a, a community of people, the rainbow people, and they're all about I don't know, Mother Earth and sort of some. I'll sort tell of, you exactly what they're about. Would you? Yeah. Mm, they're about peace and love to Earth. Did you ever think about coming a rainbow person? <laughs> It's got many different connotations, doesn't it? Uh, the answer is no. Um, he uh, he was lovely. He picked me up, and I remember. I actually remember he he drove past me, and I remember. I, oh, it's really crazy. I, I remember it really well. He was about a hundred yards down the road on the freeway, and then he reversed up to me a little bit. Oh. Um, and then I yeah, I ran up, and he, he had a bunch of like wood and fence material in the back, uh, and I, and that's where I was. Like, oh, where are you off yeah. to? He's like, oh, this Rainbow People Festival. I think he invited me. Um, and I, I said no because I, I sort of had a deadline. Yeah, which is you know interesting for a hitchhiker probably. Um, but but that was that that was interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, he was off there. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly like all the ins and outs of his life, like other people who I do. But yeah, he seemed he seemed jolly. Yeah, I think this was a kind of a brief journey because he was getting somewhere very specific, and he yeah. and he dropped you off. And luckily, he dropped you off at another gas station rather than in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and you come across Tony and Suzanne now. Tony and Suzanne <laughs> agree to give you a lift on one condition. The one condition being, we'll give you a ride if you empty your bags so we can see you don't have any weapons. That's right. And the irony of this is they did. They had something. Like, so, yeah, that you're right. And I, I get it too. Like, if you're going to be – were there kids or was it just those two? It was just those two, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I understand. That's a nice policy. Make sure you don't have a gun. Um, everyone else has a gun. So mm. why not? I didn't, um, but yeah. No, it's, it seems that you have a bag mainly containing dirty pants. Dirty pants. Um, all yours? Or I, well, I, I collect them along the way. Who knows who they are? No, I, I have them. I mean, I, I, look, I was this kind of like ragged looking Australian mm. who, who smelt and, you know, I think that's the thing because you think of a hitchhiker and you're like, ah, oh, poor person, just down and out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I get, I get, not that I think of that it, well, myself, but, I, you know, yeah, there's a yeah. there's a perception because the other thing was whenever I would 
stand on the side of a road or a service station, they, there would be a lot of people who genuinely would be, it would seem, in a bit more of a, a, a predicament in life. Yeah. Be it a war vet or someone who's homeless. Yeah. So, so this brings up an interesting point with these two. So they, so they have some children and they're, they're religious, but their eldest son was serving in Iraq at the time. And that's something you note um, in your blog and in your book of like, oh, it kind of puts it into perspective of like, yeah, okay, this, this is a journey marred with a little bit of nervousness and, mm. you know, the potential of something going slightly wrong. But when you, when you hear of those stories and it's parents worrying about their son who's actually fighting in, a, in an active war at the time, you go, ah, okay. Yeah. One word for you. Sonder. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, oh, and they've ticked off something on their list. They've, they've brought a Harley Davidson. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, so you'd obviously been asking them yeah. about list ticking, but yeah, they'd, they'd done the Harley Davidson. Well, I would, I'd get in there and I'd try and just be as friendly as possible, uh, just so, A, it was a fun ride, but yeah. just to sort of disarm them a little yeah. bit. Uh, yeah, so I would just, ra- I'd go for it. I'd find out as much as I could, which was such an interesting thing. Yeah, amazing. So that brings you to the end of day one. Do you remember where you slept? Day one. I don't know where you slept. So I no, no, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, basically, I wasn't on the side of the road or anything. I would I would try and find a motel. So it was yeah. like a Motel 8 or something okay. like that as, as I went across. Um, but yeah, I would. Uh, I remember having multiple conversations with various people. And I, maybe you'll bring it up. But they, they would say, uh, where should we drop you tonight? And I'd be like, what, next motel, thanks. Okay. I mean, it was great. It was yeah, such yeah. a great way. And yeah, I, I love that, that way of living for a few days. So day two starts with sexual favours or... I don't think so. No. Not from memory. Okay. Well, yeah. No. You seem and very excited about this. Well, you've mentioned it. So I just <laughs> thought, I thought I'd better check. Okay. Uh, so you, you decided to go with a plan of, I'm going to get up early to try and catch those morning commuters who yeah. might be a bit more receptive to uh, a handsome hitchhiker. Not the case. The early bird did not catch the worm. No. No. Uh, at all. Uh, and no one will be surprised at this stage in your life. Food quickly comes across your brain and, and you wander back into the motel to grab, yeah. grab some breakfast. That's right. Do you remember who you bump into? Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know if his name was Pete, but it was a guy wielding a guitar. Is it that guy? Yeah. What was his name? Oh, he's, he's got a great nickname. Uh, uh, one Eye, Pirate. Pirate Pete. Pirate Pete. It was Pete. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. He loved, he, so I walked back in. I remember that it was a horrible motel with that terrible, awful breakfast sort of yeah. offering they have with like the yellow stuff. They, they call it egg. And then like some sausage, it's just horrible. And I went in there, started chatting to him. He loved me because I was Australian. Yeah, you say he's the nicest, one of the nicest men you've ever met. And then you say this, <laughs> you say this, this is great. Me and Pete have many similar travel stories. Backpacking in Europe, playing music and chasing girls. Uh, <laughs> when, when did the similarities start? Because you didn't seem to list many of them in... <laughs> I don't remember any of that. He was just very, he was a, uh, he was a lovely bloke. I mean, this story is going to, you're going to, I don't know why I do this. Um, so he, so we met, I don't, I don't quite remember how it happened, but he was like, oh, I've got a guitar and I, I like playing guitar. Mm. And I was in, I mean, I had a bit of a time frame, but he said, I, I think he ends up giving me a lift, right? Yeah, he does. He, he gives you a lift and he tells you some of these chasing young ladies stories. Yeah. He also played the guitar for, I mean, this is going to make me, this is scandalous. He played the, his guitar in his room for me. So is that written in there? I wish I didn't say it now. <laughs> no, no, you say at the end, he drops you off. But so he, I think one of the prerequisites to the lift and then dropping you off somewhere yeah. is that you play a duet with him. <laughs> yeah, he, he played uh, Time a Kangaroo Down. So he'd put on this okay. thick, awful Australian accent. 
yeah. and would play. But as soon as someone says, I'm give you a ride, yeah. I'm in. I'm like, you know, whatever it takes. Yeah. Give or take. And sorry, just to clarify, you said he played for you in his room. Yeah. So how did how did it get to his room? So we're in breakfast, mm. and he, I, I think I sit down and eat with him or something, and he's like, uh, "I'll give you a lift." Yeah. I put on my accent, blah blah blah. We 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 have some conversation. He's like, "I'll give you a lift. Um, I just got to go to my room, get my bags, etc." Mm. I play guitar. I'll play a song for you, and I'm like, "Sure, okay." Oh. So we go back. We made love. Uh, <laughs> we did not. Uh, we go back, and um, he gets the guitar out, sings. I, I, I filmed it actually. I think it's on. I think it's on the YouTube channel. Okay. He played, you know, he's like, time, a kangaroo down, sport, awful. Uh, uh, and then that was it. Yeah, we ended up heading out of there. Uh, yeah, Pirate Pete. Pirate Pete, yeah. He he uh, recounts many stories for you, uh, you, you, as I say, of romance and, and other things of that nature. But you also, he's also crossed the Atlantic in a sailboat. He was oh. the captain of a sailboat. So Unbelievable. You, you need to look Pirate Pete back up. and I need to read my book to remember this story. I don't <laughs> He can help you tick off cross the seas. Yeah. Sail yeah. the seas. Number 40. Yeah. Uh, so he drops you in Mobile, Ab- Alabama. Uh, 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 Alabama. 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 Um, yeah. So before you part ways, you you apparently play a duet. But So Ka- Time of Kangaroo Down wasn't a duet. No, no, no. That's the one he sort of got, played in his room for me uh, when I was fully clothed, uh, I should say. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember the duet. I don't remember. Mm. Do you know something about this? No, no. It just says that that was, that was before you parted ways, you had to. Yeah. So. I'm not sure if it happened. Okay. I remember where he dropped me off though. Mm. Um, it was a truck stop. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, in Mobile, Alabama, I'm pretty sure. To, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. Ah, go on. I don't think you're correct, but, ah. but uh, go on. I was at a point at a truck stop mm. and uh, yeah, again, it wasn't a service station. So I wasn't able to go up and talk to all these people. And uh, yeah. And I remember being stuck there for quite a while. Maybe that was day three. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think so. That might be after. So this is where Mike and his dog Millie come in. So this is the man you were referring to before oh. in the VW camper. So okay, uh, you describe him as having a strong beard. Yeah. A bit like yours now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you essentially describe him as looking homeless. Yeah. A little bit like you now. Yeah. Hey, hey, mate. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, he agrees to, to, to take you a little bit further along. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's kind of one of these where he starts opening up and telling you stories. And, yeah. And he tells you stories of loss and friendship and corruption. Do you remember that? Yeah, the- completely. So, like I was saying, every trip is like a mini confession. You don't know this person, Sonder. Everyone's yeah. on their own life, Sonder. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it, you don't know, you walk it, you you know, you get in. And I think it's based on the idea that you both know you're never going to see each other again, more mm. than likely. So you just open up yeah. and you just share stories. And his story was so unique. Basically, he was a, uh, he worked in a prison, uh, a psychiatric ward, perhaps. I don't know what the terminology is, but he looking after people who are sort of mentally ill and also serving time for doing something outrageously bad. His job was to just concentrate on one person who was in this particular cell. His boss came across told him to do something else. He said, no, I've got to make sure I'm, I can see and I've got a visual on this guy. The boss said, no, I want you to come this way. He left. That guy hung himself and when he wasn't under supervision. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So then they, they, they fired him and he said, what do you mean you fired me? I was just taking orders from the guy. So then um, the, I don't know if it was the particular penitentiary or whatever, they said, okay, we're just going to, we'll come to a deal under the table. 
And yeah. the deal was, we're just going to say you're unfit for work because you're. They, they said they said he was disabled okay. in some sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we're going to pay you out for the next X amount of years. In yeah. my head, it was like ten or fifteen. Well, it's, yeah, it might remember? be longer. But so so it's written here. So he's kind of semi-retired. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because because of a kind of an accident at work, you write it at the time because obviously you don't want to. Oh, is this the, the first story. time I've said it? It's not in my book. No, no. So oh. so it's kind of written. Well, it's written slightly differently, I think. Um. Yeah. But yeah, so he's kind of semi- with this payout, and he's now floating around the US looking for property to develop yep. and stuff like this, but that's insane. It's insane. He was getting paid his uh, almost his full amount, maybe a slightly reduced amount, as a just like a golden handshake under the table. You don't say anything about what happened. Um, oh. You're just Because someone was responsible. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was that, like, let's sweep yeah. this under the carpet type thing. And he said, I'll take it. Which, yeah. you know, some people might not have. Who knows? But he did. And so he took all this money. And was getting paid. Him and his dog got a van, and they were at that time going around America trying to find a, a place where he wanted to build a house. Um, yeah. So that's why he was traveling. So I hopped in his uh, car, his his truck, his van, and uh, yeah, I think he, I think from memory he was on the way to look at some property somewhere. Well, I'm going full conspiracy theory now. I Please. think he was traveling to make sure he had no fixed address. Oh, in case the government came and got him. Oh, if he's being told, come this way. Yeah. And then someone's magically hung themselves that he's meant to be keeping an eye on, and they're yeah. like. Yeah. See you later. That, that was that. Yeah. And he, uh, yeah, I I think now in retrospect, I do remember him saying, don't say anything. Oh. What, who, uh, who picked me up next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you get dropped in Lafayette, Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell me for another 10 points Definitely not. what Lafayette, Louisiana is famous for? Lafayette. Uh, I don't know. Louisiana, probably some kind of like... Um, Southern cuisine. Oh, I don't know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so day two's in the books. 916 miles covered in total from the six lifts you've had over the two days. Sure. On average, mm. 152.6 miles per ride. Good average. Well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so next, you meet your first lawman. Oh, yeah, oh, Deputy Dink. Deputy Dink. An off-duty sheriff. Yeah. So this guy had a pickup truck. Mm. I think I met him in the morning of the... Oh, so that became a, uh, a, a practice of mine. If I stayed at a motel, yeah. I'd go into the breakfast room and I would make an announcement. <laughs> and go back to a stranger's room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time. No, I would say, oh, that's funny. I completely forgot that. So I said, well, that worked with that, you know, Pistol Pete, Pirate yeah, Pete. Pirate Pete, yeah. So I would, um, yeah, I'd go, <laughs> I remember standing up on multiple and going... Hey everyone, I'm from Australia. If there's anyone heading uh, towards LA, that's where I'm hitchhiking to, I'd love a ride. So this guy, Deputy Dink, was like, yep, you can have a ride. Yeah. He had a truck, like a ute or a, you know, an SUV or whatever you call it, and a truck. We went outside and immediately he showed me, <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to put this in a better way. Yeah. He showed me his gun. And uh, it was basically, he lifted up his back seat and underneath the, the, uh, the seat was just like, I mean, hundreds and of boxes of cartridges, of bullets, yeah. a shotgun, yeah. um, all these different pistols. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know whether to feel safe or endangered. Well, I believe he says to you, all right, I'll give you a lift, but if you play up, I'll shoot you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think you take that quite seriously. And I had to show him the contents of my bag as well. Uh, there yeah. he At gunpoint. <laughs> no, not at gunpoint. But yeah, uh, he wasn't mucking around. He was lovely. I think he actually, because I was going along the 10, I think he took yeah. us, he deviated and we ended up at a place called Shreveport. Great memory. It's all flooding back to you now, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. yeah. Thank so, you for allowing this to Yeah, no, to my pleasure, my pleasure. So this is where you were 
the truck stop. Yeah. Uh, because Deputy Dink, you're a little bit like, uh, you're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. So you start showing a bit of ankle to the lads around the truck stop. <laughs> 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 trying to trying to get a more direct lift. Yeah. Still continuing down the 10 and everyone's like, no thanks, mate. No, yeah. no. Yeah. You're not really doing it for me. So you wander sure. back to Deputy Dink and yeah, yeah he... Uh, he has a look at your dirty pants. That's right. Threatens to shoot you. That's right. And uh, and in you get. Now it's now it's interesting. Cause we'll cover this in a in another podcast. But this exposure to the guns starts to oh, yeah. kind of launch a bit of curiosity for you, doesn't it? For sure. I would, I'm you know I'm Australian. In Australia, no one has a gun. Um, uh, I mean that's a, another political thing, but I think it's great that we don't. Anyway, so suddenly I've I've got all this exposure to guns. In most cars I'm traveling in, everyone mentions they have a gun, probably as a way to you know warn me, don't play up or I'll shoot you. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it was in his car or later on, but yeah, I at one time I got out this guy. He basically said, "I have a gun in my glove box," and I said, "Cause I'm curious." I was like, "Oh, can I can I have a look at it?" He's like, "Yeah." It was actually a Mexican guy, and I think we'll get round to this story yeah. potentially. Um, tell me to stop if you want, no, but, please. but just to go on this for a second, I got out this gun. It was unloaded, and I looked down the barrel of this gun, and I, I freaked out. I was like, you know, I was like, "Oh my god." Wow, my heart started going. Yeah. And that was the moment I was, became really curious about how do I overcome that sort of fear, if you will, uh, yeah. or that curiosity uh, of guns and being shot, etc. And I thought, okay, I'm going to create a new item on my list, a blank spot. There was, I had like a number of blank spots to put in things that I would discover along the way. And I, yeah, I thought, oh, I'm going to get shot. So I put get shot whilst wearing a bulletproof vest. Yeah. That happened in Colombia later on, but that was the catalyst for it going on the list. Wow. Well, so we'll cover that. I've got a few questions now, but we'll yeah, cover yeah. it in another episode. So stay tuned. Oh, yeah. Um, so the, the best thing about Deputy Dink is armed to the teeth. Yeah. He's, he's got the badge on his hip too. He's a lawman. Yeah, yeah. He was wearing a big hat. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. Of course. Mm. Runs out of gas. Oh, yeah. As we go into the service station. No, not him. Oh, is it? So you run out of gas twice. Oh, on this yeah, trip. it was another one. Okay. But uh, Deputy Dink runs <laughs> Wait, out. Thank God you're here, by the way. <laughs> Just, just to clarify, this happened over a decade ago for Seb. So Yeah, it was um, about, well, yeah, it was just over 10 years ago. Yeah, you were 28 at the time, soon to turn 39. Yeah, I can't wait. Knocking on 40, mate. Knocking on 40. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he runs out of gas on the freeway and you have to wait like an hour for his friend to come pick you That's up. That's right. That's, and it, it's, it's, it's quite funny when you have someone who's so like um, meticulous about stuff and very proud of, you know, how organized and arranged they are. Yeah. Oh, I remember this. And I remember internally going, ha, ha, this is funny. Because it's always nice when it happens to someone, you know, who, who is so so proud of how organized they yeah. are. And they, they tell you how, you know, organized they are. And uh, you run out of gas like an idiot. Well, like I've done plenty of times, by the way, but yeah. I, I don't claim to be organized. Uh, and you're calling him an idiot? Is that, can we just Absolutely not. No, no, no. Absolutely. What a lovely man for giving me a ride. Yeah, good bloke. He ended up giving me, because there was so much weaponry in his car. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Uh, he said, do you want some bullets? And I was like, yeah. So I just grabbed a handful of bullets and put them in my backpack. I had a, a, a one, a green and blue backpack. I still yeah. have it, I think. And uh, so I chucked them in a pocket, forgot about them. I would travel around the world for the next few years. Yeah. And uh, I remember going through customs at one point and then just reaching in to get some whatever it was. And I just got out a bunch of live ammunition that yeah. had gone through customs. Uh, so thanks, this is a, Deputy Dink. Uh, this is a weird moment. Uh, so I believe you gave them and a bag full of change to our mutual friend, Chris Hancock, <laughs> yeah. who uh, then gave them to me. Yeah. So you have those bullets? So my dad at the moment, hi dad, hi Paul, uh, 
I, I gave them to him because I was sorting out change to come over here. You're kidding. And I was like, oh yeah, I've got live bullets so in funny. my room in the UK. Yeah. So my, my dad was disposing of them. That's crazy. Isn't the world a funny how, old place? How ridiculous. Well, they're Deputy Dinks. Deputy Dink, thank you so much for that. Um, <laughs> so next, next, Tom. He's going to take you to Dallas. Oh, Tom. Is he yeah. the, the guy who created the machine for the lines? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, the white lines in the mm. middle of the road. Because, you know, one of the first things is, you know, okay, now we've established we're both safe and not killers. What do you do with yourself? And he, I can't remember if he was retired, but he was to- we were towing a massive machine of some sort. Yeah. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, oh, I, I invented. What's that? <laughs> exactly. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> Uh, and he said, I invented the, the line-making machine. So if, if you're on a road and there's lines, he invented that. Well, yeah, so, it's, so it says that he, and he did that all over the world. Yeah. So he has painted white lines in the middle of roads all over the planet mm. um, and has done it for a long time. A- another uh, Vietnam War vet, yep. interestingly. Yep. Um, and he kind of goes into a bit more depth with you. Uh, we're not, we're not going to share the depth, but you know, one of the stories he's telling is is what he went through out there, and that he had just yeah. recently gone back and visited, and yeah. you kind of nervously ask him what he thought and how he felt, and he was like, "Great, yeah, great." So I remember know. that. Yeah, I remember that. And we, I, I remember as you tell the story, I remember it was nighttime. We pulled into. He's like, "Again, where do you want to go?" And I was like, "Next motel, be great, thanks." Yeah. And that was it. What I mean, the interesting. I want to talk about the veterans for a second. Mm. Like, I don't know if that's a question you've got loaded. No, in which no, case, no, I'll, please go. So when these war veterans are on the side of the road, um, because of the ones that you sort of see quite commonly, certainly yeah. here in LA, um, the ones who have the signs and are asking for money or food, you know, you, you can't help but f- you know feel feel bad. And I don't really understand the whole system, but obviously they're not being looked after. But suddenly, when I'm hitchhiking across the country, when I get dropped off in the middle of the day, wherever it might be, at a gas station or on a corner or on the side of the freeway, I'm with them and I'm vying. Yeah. For, we're in competition with each other. It's such a weird thing. Um, and I, I remember, I, I remember thinking, well, I'm fortunate because I get to, I can walk up to someone and they don't judge me immediately. Yeah. Maybe after I speak to them, but these guys can't. And I saw it happen a lot. They'd be, they'd be on the, you know, in the medium strip in a road mm. asking for a ride and people would just drive straight past them. And then I remember I'd go, oh, okay, I'll go into the service station and speak to someone and I'd get in a car and then just drive away. Yeah. And I always felt quite bad about that. Um, just as a side thought, I just remember it quite well. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I guess it comes back to that that question again of like, you know, who who's more scared? And I guess that puts a little bit more jeopardy on the driver. And mm. I guess you you know you going up and approaching people or or shouting in your wonderful Australian accent. Yeah, yeah, is a is a potentially a safer bet. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, interesting, mm. interesting. So that that ends day four. Okay, day four. So distance traveled today, six hundred and thirty eight miles. <laughs> Total distance traveled so far. 1,931 miles. I was zipping across. Distance remaining. Can you do the maths? No. <laughs> I've got, obviously not. 723 <laughs> miles remain. So here we go. The next day starts, day five. Michael, he's going to take you to Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, that's interesting. I, f- I didn't realise, I, I, I don't remember being in Fort Worth. Michael, which, okay, great. Oh. Yeah, Michael, he's going to take you 30 minutes down the road. Oh, I do remember. Yeah, it was a really quick trip. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so... Uh, he takes you to a place where hitchhiking is almost impossible, as you put it. Yep. Why was that? Well, I think in some states it's legal and some states it's not. Okay. Um, I can't remember where, if there's a particular location. I So this is Fort Worth. So he drops you in Fort Worth huh. and you say here, yeah, like, <clears throat> so you, you kind of describe it as this is a place for locals. Yeah. And you are clearly not a local. Yeah. Um, so the approaching people at the gas stations is not working. Yeah. People are kind of dismissing you. 
Uh, so this is where you approach the cardboard sign method and you write on it. Oh, I, yeah. Australian exchange student <laughs> heading west. <laughs> well, I wasn't an exchange student. That was a lie. Uh, I don't, at the time, I must have thought that must have been... Because, I mean, a, a student, they must be harmless. Yeah. I think it must have been my mindset. Uh, yeah, I remember that. I remember wearing a green hoodie, stood on the side of the road. I have a photo of it somewhere with a sign. Yeah. Yep. So enter Phil. He's on his way to pick up his son. Yep. And he opens up to you about... So again, another one of these moments where you're, you're, you're side by side with someone in their car, complete stranger. Mm-hmm. You're pretending to be a foreign exchange student. Yep. Um, and he opens up to you about his life. And again, he's, he's just gone through a divorce and yeah. is telling you about the effects that's had on him. But yep. as you describe it, he lights up every time he talks about his kids and, yep. and other bits and pieces. Mm. W- was this the case with every conversation you kind of had like that? Were you kind of sat there going like, oh, kind of... Why are you opening up to me? Or was it just such a genuine conversation that you were like, oh, yeah, it was, I'm in this. It was wonderful. I mean, I, you know, I have a belief that everyone just wants to you know, share. It just feels so nice to be able to share and to yeah. be heard. And it's also nice to listen. Uh, I will say, though, I mean, when I was younger, I, I had this job. I used to be like a, a, a what do you call it, a checkout chick. Yeah. You know, I used to be working at a grocery store and I used to beep the items, the mm. bread, the milk, etc. And for whatever reason, people would always open up to me. And whether, if they had three things, like there'd be bread, milk, eggs, and by the end of the three, beep, 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 I would know everything about their life. And my fellow, my colleagues, yeah. fellow people who are scanning food would go, mm. hang on, do you know them? And I'd say, no, no, they just told me. So I've always had this thing that people open up to me. And yeah, in a car, again, maybe something to do with the idea that you will probably never see that person again. Yeah, You just go for it. Lack of judgment. They don't know you, don't know your past, etc. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, good man as well. Offered you money at the end, which you turned down. Did I? Yeah. Good for me. Good for you. <laughs> okay. You you must know, once I read this sentence to you, you must know who this man is. He's wearing a 10-gallon hat. Oh, yeah. This guy's great. <laughs> and a bright orange shirt. Yeah. Which reads, property of Texas jail. Yeah. The funniest man I've ever met uh, and scariest. I can't remember his name, though. Mario. Mario, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mario. I mean, that's it. This big guy pulling a big trailer. I can't remember yeah. quite what he was doing. Was he... Was he? Uh, so so he had made his living as a pipeline welder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah he, was, he was towing a big old caravan. Big Mexican guy. I reckon he must have been like mid-30s, 40s, something like that. Wore this big 10-gallon hat. And he was just funny. He was just yeah. a funny guy. And he was the one that said, I've got a gun in my, yeah. um, in my glove box. Uh, and he, he was great. He was joking with me that he was a murderer. You know, it sounds, sounds awful, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it, you know, it, he was just very, he was really, really yeah. like charismatic. I had a great time with him. Uh, and he said to you that, so he had three children. He's about to have his fourth. And he mm. said he was going to name it Sebastian. Do you believe him? Um, yes. Well, there might be an 11-year-old out there now. <laughs> if it Sebastian. was a girl. If it was a girl, that's that's bad luck to be called Sebastian. Yeah, I haven't met a female Sebastian yet. Mm. Mm. So he is the second man. Can I tell you something about that, by the way? No. Okay. When I was writing to J-Lock on Death Row, yeah. which is another podcast we'll do. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, because I was writing to him for 12 months before yeah. I met him, he started flirting with me on these written letters. Oh, okay. J-Lock was flirting with you. J-Lock, yeah, the inmate sorry. on yeah, Death yeah, Row. Yeah, yeah. And he wrote this letter to me one time saying, um, Sebastian, I can't, I, I, I think about kissing your lips and da 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 and I'm just at home and badly reading this thing. And I go, oh, God, what do I... So I wrote to him and I go, oh, yeah. hey, J-Lock. Um, great to hear from you. I'm not sure what you're... You know, I don't know what you're thinking, yeah. but, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a homosexual. 
uh, and uh, I'm flattered. I had some awkward letter back, right? He wrote back to me two, three weeks later, um, oh, I thought you were a girl called Sebastian. Oh. That's the only time I've ever come across someone who thought a Sebastian was a girl. Yeah. Why did you lie to him? <laughs> <laughs> Are you insinuating that I'm gay? No, no, no. Um, so- <laughs> What has this become? So he's yeah. Mario. Back to Mario. He's the second man <laughs> on this on this journey to run out of gas. Yeah, he runs out of gas seven as you are literally pulling into the. No word of a lie. We've been travelling for I don't know. I'll say ten hours. It might not have been yeah. that long. We were travelling for a long time, and he goes, uh, "Where do you want to get dropped off?" And I was like, "Because he had to turn off some different direction." I yeah. said, "The next gas station." As we get into the gas station. His car conks out and we roll up the verge directly into a car park. And I, it was just, not a car park, a, a yeah. petrol pump, a gas pump. It was amazing timing, not just because of that, but because I then got out and I looked around and I saw oh, yeah. this lady in a truck and we just made eye contact and I, was, and I sort of got out of the car, shut the door and I was like, hi, where are you off to? And she said, get in. Yeah, yeah. She, was, she was fiddling under her bonnet. She, she was. She was. She would know how to fiddle under it. She was this really lovely trucker type of lady. She was, you know, wearing yeah. like a a, a, a a flannelette shirt, grease mm. on her, wearing a trucker's hat. She did. She meant business. Name for ten points. No. Oh, Pam and Sharon. Pam and oh, her mum is Sharon. So her mother-in-law. Mother-in-law was Sharon. Yeah, she was yeah. a truck driver. She had just uh, driven her big rig from mm. uh, west coast to the east coast of America towing the truck that she was currently driving behind. Yeah. So she dropped the truck off and then was just driving back. So she was going quite quite away. I can't remember quite where too, but she said get in. The, on her um, tow ball, the back of yeah. the car, there was a, a pair of uh, like uh, bull testicles. Uh, yeah, real ones? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Still. Okay. Still. <laughs> she wore those as earrings actually. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Uh, you found out she had a double-ended something. Can you remember what that double-ended item was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what did she have that was dubbed? Oh, a knife. Ah, uh, well done. Yeah, well it was done. a knife. Where did your mind go first? Knife. Where did yours go? <laughs> Don't know, mate. Um, That's odd. <laughs> yeah, she had a double-ended hunting knife that she'd killed a rattlesnake with. Yeah, yeah. Not surprising. She was a savage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She reminded me in many ways like Ram- of Rambo. Uh, she was, um, you know, rough and ready, had a double-ended knife. Yeah. Uh, and had killed things. They drew first blood. <laughs> I wonder if she buried the uh, rattlesnake like Matty did. With her yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, okay, so she actually turns into a bit of a tour guide for you. She do does. You, do you remember this? She, she, yeah. She takes you off the beaten track and where does she take you? We're in Texas at this point and I mm. think we had just gone past uh, Odessa, which I recognised from mm. that movie Friday Night Lights. Oh, okay. So I think that was Odessa. Um, anyway, somewhere near there. We're on this big freeway. There's like four or five lanes in either direction. And she goes, I want to show you this amazing spot. It's like being in the middle of the Sahara. Yeah. And I was like, what? Uh, okay. So I, I didn't know where we were. So we turned off and within, I felt like five minutes, we, just no word of a lie, we got out of the car, walked over a sand dune, and I still to this day don't know where yeah. it was. It was like being in the middle of the Sahara. Deathly silent. Just set endless sand dunes. Yeah. Beautiful, fine sand. Rattlesnake um, tracks. They were probably running from her. Yeah. And uh, I remember just sitting there and it was, it was just, it was maybe the, the, the I was going to say, uh, yeah, I think it was probably the quietest place I've ever been in my life. Yeah. Wow. So it was uh, Monhana Sandhills. 
if mm. I've said that correctly. But yeah. I want to Google that. Near Odessa, you're right. Yeah. So yeah, amazing. So that, that brings you to the end of day four and you're in El Paso. Mm. El Paso is not well, your favorite place. No, it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. On the, on the, so I think El Paso is Texas still. Uh, right on the border of Mexico, yeah. And over this kind of little fence, you can um, you could see these sparkling lights in the distance. And it was Juarez, this town called Juarez, right. And that apparently is a place where there's all these drug cartels, and yeah. drug trading, and kidnapping, and all this stuff. And you could see it. I actually met a guy later on in my in my life, like a couple of years after, a mate of a mate, and he told me the story how he almost got killed there. He's a photographer. He jumped the fence from El Paso, walked into Juarez. Uh, two guys said, oh, you want to take some photos? Come and meet my family. Took him into this place. One broke a bottle. There were like three or four other guys in there. They held the bottle to his neck and he said he, he thought he was going to die. Yeah. And he had this experience where he just was out of his body kind of and then just exploded up into the air and, and just ran out basically. <laughs> Sounds weird. Wow. I just ran out. And, and anyway, and I was like, oh, I remember hitchhiking near there. But yeah, I was in El Paso. I, I got dropped at another service station. There was a, there was a few things around, including a brothel. Mm-hmm. It was just a, a horrible, ugly place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I felt threatened and intimidated the whole time. Yeah. Wow. So, but luckily, two men come and save you. You've got to remember their names. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. Bob, Bob and Vern. Bob and Vern. Slept the night, woke up the next morning. I was like, I woke up at the crack of dawn. I've got to get out of here. And I was at the service station speaking to every, anyone who would drive in. I'd walk over to their car and go, hi, I'm from Australia. I'm just trying to get out of here. Yeah. And no one would take me. And then this old RV rocks up um, and these two old men get out. Vernon Bob, they're brothers. They're traveling for the first time around the country by themselves. Yeah. Something, I, I, something in memory of their mum or something like that. There was some, okay. but brother, brothers going on yeah. a road trip. Really funny, old school Americans. Well, yeah. So, sorry to interrupt there, but mm. but this is kind of the more common one that the mission they're on of like road tripping around America in, in an RV. Yeah. And, and it's amazing they're still doing it. One's in their 60s, one's in their 70s, and yeah. they decided, yeah, retirement. We're going to buy that RV and, yeah. and around we go. And they agree after a little bit of arm twisting, is it? Yeah, I go up. To, I, so they stop. They get out of the car. I walk up. I give them my, my line. And they go, well, we're just going to get some food over here. Um, we'll have a chat about it. Let you know when we get out. So I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you. So I stay there. And I think I'm still asking people, but I'm just keeping an eye on them, like looking through the window type thing. And they're finishing. And they pay the bill when they come out. And I, uh, yeah, they, they said, yeah, we thought about it. We, we think, why not? So I got into their RV and they were, as everyone was, yeah. so nice to pick yeah. me up in the first place. But immediately they started having this, they had a, a TomTom, you know, right. like a satellite navigation yeah, yeah. Thing, system. And it was a female voice. They gave her a name. I think it might've been Sally or something. I don't have that. And they kept referring to Sally. So they'd be talking and then Sally would say, in a hundred yards, turn right. And they'd go, oh, Sally, stop. So they, they just, yeah. it was really fun. And for the first time, as opposed to being wedged, you know, in a seat next to someone, yeah. I had the whole back to myself. So I was on a couch, I was reclining, I went for a sleep. I mean, it was unreal. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I had down, you, you're riding in luxury, uh, which which must be a nice break. And originally, they, they say they're only going to take you to Arizona. Yeah. So the original conversation is, yeah, we'll, we'll take you a little way um, to Arizona. And you think, okay, I'm just going to mm. lie back and enjoy the ride until until I have to get out again. Yeah. Um, but then as the conversation goes on, they reveal they themselves are heading for the West Coast. Yeah. But they're they're heading for San Francisco rather than San Diego. Is that yeah, right? they're going to San Francisco, uh, which is, as I'm sure everyone knows, north of yeah. San Diego. Um, and they're, yeah, they're, But they're going all the way to, to San Diego first to then, yeah. you know, loop up there. Uh, and then at the end of the day, they were just – we'd got on really well. We had a lunch together. They yeah. bought me lunch and – 
which is always, you know, so nice. And I, I was going off no money, basically. Yeah. And they said, uh, I think they said, like, where do you want to get dropped off? Yeah. And I said, you know, next motel, I don't mind. And then they had a chat at some point, I guess. And they said, we had a chat about it. You can stay with us tonight, if you like. Yeah. In their RV. And it came with one proviso, yeah. um, which was, uh, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Bob. And Bob's like, we had a chat about it. You can stay in our RV tonight um, as long as you don't fart. <laughs> and I said, well, I can't promise that, but, uh, you know, I'll try my best. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't remember if I did or not. I'm assuming I would have. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can almost guarantee that that would have been, uh, not that we share a room when you say Yeah, why did you say it like that? that? <laughs> uh, but they introduce you to... So you celebrate Phil's 71st birthday, have a beer and a bit of cake, and yep. then you retire for the evening, desperately clenching clenching to make sure you don't <laughs> let yeah. any gas escape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you wake up the next day, they haven't kicked you out, you haven't upset them, and here we go. Yeah, they. so we were in Arizona, we're very close, this is my second day travelling now with Bob and Vern, and they, uh, yeah, they say, look, we're going to give you a ride all the way to San Diego, which was my destination. Yeah. And I was stoked. Oh, yeah. it was great. It was amazing. I just relax. Yeah. On a couch, no less. Yeah. Traveling at 100 miles an hour. I mean, it was brilliant. Uh, so good. So good. And, and Vern also tells you the secret to a good marriage. Can you remember? No. What was that? So he says, him and his wife, they can't, they can't decide who will get the dog. So they just stay together. <laughs> um, when are you going to get married, mate? Uh, well, I have already. It's number two uh, on the list. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Thank you. Episode two. <laughs> So, so a slightly more poignant note, uh, note, as the trip starts drawing to a close, you, you actually start to feel like sad that the, the adventure is going to be over. Mm. Um, and you say, you say this, so you say, each of the 13 rides that, that has taken me to reach this point, no matter how long or short, it fills me with confidence that people can be generous, compassionate, open and selfless. Now, th- this is something that we've talked about on the podcast we've done so far and, and is kind of still so core to the 100 Things journey that... If you're on, it seems if you've got that goal in mind and you're and you're chasing after it with a genuine purpose, people just keep coming up and being like, "Yeah, hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent, yeah." I mean, I, I, it's moments like that, and that's just such a good example that I had an idea, I had a, a dream, a goal, and I took the first step by just standing at a service station, being watched by Paulie at you know Palm yeah. Beach, Florida. Um, and the only reason I made it across the country was because of people, other people. Yeah. And, you know, that that's it. If you're in an ecosystem of other people who also have their own goals and dreams, as we're finding out with 100 Things and the community we're, we're developing, yeah, it's just such a good incubator for kindness. And everyone wants to connect and help each other out whilst they pursue their own goals. It's beautiful. So, yeah, it's not lost on me that, uh, you know, that yes, it starts with me. I'm the spark, but yeah. it's the other people that make it happen. And it's the same for everyone's goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so here we go. Distance travel, 2,260 miles. Mm. Number of rides, 13. Number of days it's taken, six. That moment comes. You say goodbye to Bob and Vern, which again, sad moment because you've, you've spent two amazing days with them. Yeah. Uh, but the euphoria of feeling the sand under your feet. Yeah. And you run on and there's a woman there. And you get her for this beautiful moment you capture on your GoPro of like, get a stranger to confirm that this is the West Coast. Yeah. And she doesn't quite play ball, does she? No, I am over the moon. I'm ecstatic because I am about to, I'm on the sand. Uh, I'm, I'm walking to the ocean to dip my toes in to really like conclude the journey. And I see her and I say, uh, hey, I just hitchhiked all the way from Florida, West Palm Beach. And she goes, oh, that's nice, dear. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. 
But uh, I didn't do it for her. So no, I still absolutely. felt great. But uh, yeah, no, I dipped my toes in there. And actually, I, I, I was at Coronado. I was in Coronado, which is okay. a little yeah. island there uh, in uh, where there's like a, a naval base, actually. Yeah. And my good friend Willem, or Creature, as we call him, uh, he's been a really amazing person in my journey too. So helpful. Friends with Paulie, professional sailor. It's okay. definitely a link here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he embraced me with you know his family. I stayed there for a little bit, but I, yeah, eventually flew to Switzerland and I, 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 yeah, I guess I made it. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, have you been able to keep in contact with any of the people from that journey? Uh, I, I guess, again, it's like, you know, it wasn't the world we live in. Even though it was only 10 years ago or just over 10 years ago, social media wasn't really a thing yeah. and kind of exchanging that type of let me follow you on this or whatever wasn't really a thing. So did yeah. you ever manage to... I I did with a few. A few people reached out. I guess they would follow my blog. It was yeah. a blog back then. But like you say, it wasn't a time where I, I don't even remember having a phone, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't have an Instagram or a Facebook, which is, you know, they're just such a great way to connect, obviously. Yeah. So, no. Um, if anyone is watching this, though, I would love to hear from you and say thank you. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a beautiful little experience. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, there we have it. Number 82. I'll quickly say this. A oh. lot of people go, you were able to do that just because you had an accent or... Yeah. Well, and I, I just don't think so. I just think anyone, anyone, yeah. if they're just open and genuine and you approach someone with a smile and being genuine, genuine because you're doing something which is meaningful, mm. I think anyone could do it. Um, yeah, I, I suppose there's always an element of danger. But uh, I, I don't know. It was, a, it was a nice experience and people are good. That's all I saw. Absolutely. Absolutely. 82. Done. Checked. Thank you so much. We'll see you again next time. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the 100 Things podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Thankfully, there are going to be a heap more episodes. Isn't it, Toddy? Absolutely. We're going to hear from more of the people behind the stories of how Seb did it all. So stay tuned. You can find us on YouTube and all your favorite podcasting platforms. Again, thank you so much. 